Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we confess that we need you every hour. As we sang earlier, we need you. Lord, we need you for physical strength and physical life. For it is in you that we live and breathe and have our being. We are upheld by the power of your word. And Lord, we need you for spiritual life. For we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But you, O oh Lord, made us alive together in Christ. Lord, we need you. Every hour we need you. And Lord, we need you this hour. We need you, Lord, to come to us today and fall upon us. To open our hearts and our minds to hear your word. To take your word to heart. And to be obedient to your word. So, Father God, open our hearts now. As we open your word. May we worship you, O Lord, by heeding and obeying your very word. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If we are going to persevere in outreach, we're going to have to be consistently engaging in a number of activities. A few years ago, I decided I thought it'd be fun to run a half marathon. Uh, I was into running a good bit at the time, and so I thought it'd be a good idea. A lot of my buddies were doing it, so I joined in, and I was determined to run this half marathon. That's 13.1 miles for you who, who may not be very interested in running. That's a, that's a long ways. And, and so to accomplish my goal of finishing this half marathon, I had to engage in a number of activities over the course of several months. I had to engage in the activity of hard training. At the time, I was a, a runner at the time, and so I, I, I was running about three to four miles, three, about three days a week. Uh, I needed to increase those miles a good bit. And so I had to engage in the activity of training. I had to work hard to, to build those miles up so that when that day come for me to run that half marathon, I would be able to finish the 13.1 miles without stopping and, you know, throwing up a lung or anything, right? And, and so I had to engage in that heavy, hard training. I also had to engage in the activity of watching my diet. Watching what I ate, I had to make sure I got into the right kind of calories, not just eating junk food. Of course, when you're running that many miles, you can eat a little more liberally, but uh, I had to really watch my diet to make sure I got the right food in to, to energize my runs, to fuel my runs. And so I had to engage in certain uh, activities to persevere and accomplish the goal that I, I had set out to accomplish. Well, church, that's the same for us. As we finish up this, this uh, series today on gospel-shaped outreach, we don't want to just qu 
quit outreach with this series. We don't want outreach to just be about this series and then let's move on to the next thing. We must persevere in outreach. That's what we have been called to do. We've been called to reach out to the lost, to, to bring them into the kingdom of God. We've been commissioned by Christ to go make disciples of all nations, to be Christ's uh, witnesses throughout the world. And so we cannot just, uh, just quit outreach, let outreach end with this series, but we must persevere in outreach. So if we're going to persevere in outreach, then we must, too, be engaged in certain activities. So today we're looking at our text is Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. We'll be looking at that this morning. And we're going to see here how we may persevere in gospel-shaped outreach. So turn your Bibles there. Luke 15, 1 through 10. And as we look at this, we're gonna, I want to point out to you today three activities we must engage in to persevere in outreach. Three activities that we must engage in if we are to persevere in outreach. If you found your place there in Luke chapter 15, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. And hear the word of the Lord. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with, and eats with them. Though so he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So today we're going to look at three activities uh, that we must engage in to persevere in outreach. Now, let me set, to, set before you the context of this passage that we are looking at this morning. Uh, this, of course, is in the midst of Luke's gospel. And, and Luke's gospel can be broken down basically in three parts. Basically three parts. Luke's gospel starts... Uh, from chapter 1 to chapter 9, chapter 9, verse 51, 
Luke focuses in on who Jesus is. He, he, he wants to make the case that Jesus is the Son of God, the divine God-man who came to save God's people. And so what you get in the first part of Luke is a focus on the miracles of Jesus and the works of Jesus. In 951, then, there's a transition that takes place. And if you look there in nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 51, uh, Luke says he sets his face for Jerusalem. Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem. At that point, there's a transition, and Jesus is now going to Jerusalem. There's nothing that can stop him to going to Jerusalem and complete the Father's will of dying on the cross for the sins of the lost. And it's in that, that por portion there from 951 on until you get to the, the passion narrative in 22 through 24 that Jesus focuses in on discipleship and what it means or what it looks like to be a disciple, a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. And of course, the end there, chapter 22 through 24, is the passion narrative. And so telling about the passion of Jesus Christ. Well, we are in that portion that's focused in on discipleship. What does it look like to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ? And we have here Jesus teaching his disciples. And these scribes and Pharisees, they come to Jesus while he's teaching, and they grumble. They're upset at Jesus. They don't like Jesus' style because Jesus is he's receiving sinners and tax collectors. In other words, he is going to the reprobates of the community and taking to them the gospel of peace. And they don't like this. That's not, not in accord with their religious stature and their religious way. I mean, you're not supposed to associate with sinners, Jesus. Don't you know that? You're supposed to hang out with us religious guys. You're supposed to teach us and, and, and stay with us. You're not supposed to hang out with the sinners and tax collectors. And they grumble. But Jesus now takes this opportunity to teach his disciples about outreach. And how he views sinners. And how he views outreach. So here we learn three activities that we must engage in to persevere in outreach gospel shaped outreach first of all we notice here that we must cultivate compassion for the lost if we're going to persevere in outreach we must cultivate a compassion for the lost look what jesus does here look what what takes place here first we notice that here we, we need to overcome a negative attitude towards the lost. We need to overcome a negative attitude towards the lost. The scribes and the Pharisees, they come and they grumble, right? They have a negative attitude towards the lost, towards sinners, and they grumble at Jesus for hanging out with them. You know, sinners and tax collectors, they're, you're not supposed to hang around them. They're a bad influence, right? They're not living right, they need to get their life right before they come into the church, right? And, and so that's the scribes and the Pharisees. They have a, a negative attitude towards the lost. I'm afraid some of us oftentimes have a negative, negative attitude towards the lost. We look at the lost and we see them acting in ways that, that we know is not right. They're acting in ways that we know is not right. They're, they're living in sin, and that's a no-no. 
But we need to, to get away from those negative attitudes. Jesus sees this negative attitude and he wishes to correct that. And so he teaches us to overcome that negative attitude uh, uh, towards the loss. And instead, what we need to do is we need to cultivate positive attitudes towards the loss. We need to cultivate positive attitudes towards the lost. We don't need to just look down upon them. But we need to have compassion on them. And that's what Jesus shows us here. Look at the, think about what he's talking about here in this first parable. So he told this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. Now think about what he is telling us here. What, what is he, he describing here? Here is a shepherd, and he has 99 sheep, or he has 100 sheep, excuse me. He has 100 sheep, and one sheep, one honorary sheep has run off to who knows where, gotten himself in no, to no, who knows what kind of trouble, and the shepherd might say, well, just forget that sheep. He, he's just a troublemaker anyway. I'm just going to leave him behind, and I'm going to focus on the 99. No, Jesus says, no, the shepherd, what the shepherd does is the shepherd, he, he sets the, the 99 up in the open country so they'll be safe and sound. But then he goes off looking for the one, seeking the one, looking for him, wanting to find the one. Why? Because he has compassion for the one. This is a sheep that he loves. A lamb that he loves and he longs to find it. When you think about the shepherd culture there, shepherds spent all their time with their sheep. And they knew every sheep by name. All of their sheep, they knew them by name. They spent days and nights with them out in the fields. They loved them. They nursed them when they needed nursing. They, they uh, cared for their wounds when they were, got, got hurt. They loved their sheep. And Jesus says, here's the shepherd. He's got 99 here. One's gone off, but he has compassion for the one, and he goes and he seeks the one. He doesn't just write it off because it's... it's Drifted away somewhere just because it's a troublemaker and doesn't want to stay with the bunch. Jesus says you need to cultivate compassion for the lost. How do we cultivate compassion for the lost? How do we do that in our world today? Well, one, we have to first remember that the lost are only doing what lost do. They're doing what comes natural to them. When you look out at the lost and you look at their activity, they're, they're playing with drugs and alcohol. Uh, they're getting into pornography. They're getting into all of these things that, that we find just detestable. But you have to understand, the lost are doing what comes natural to them. 
We were dead in our trespasses and sin, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air who is now at work, now at work in the sons of disobedience. The lost, when they're out doing all of those sinful things, those things that we find so detestable, what are they doing? They're doing what comes natural to them. They can't overcome that until Christ gets a hold of them and transforms them and makes them a new creature. So we have to remember that the lost are doing what the lost do. They're doing what comes natural. So when we look at them, when we get fed up with their attitude, when we get fed up with their activity, we remember, we remember, we remember they're just doing what comes natural to them. Yes, they're, they're liars. They're cheaters. They're all of these things, yes, but they're doing exactly what comes natural to them. We can't hold them to a higher standard when they're doing what comes natural. Our desire is to see them come out of that and take on a new nature in Jesus Christ. And praise be to God, Jesus comes to seek and to save the lost, to give the lost a new a new nature to overcome that. So we must remember and meditate, or remember that they're just doing, the lost are just doing what natural, comes natural to them. Second, we must meditate on what's in store for them if they fail to come to Christ. We need to remember that they're just doing what comes natural to them when they're doing those deplorable things. But then we need to remember that if they don't come to Christ, they're going to hell. They're going to die and leave this world and they're going to go to hell and spend all of eternity in eternal torment because of their sin. Dear friend, I don't think we meditate on hell enough in our day and our time. We like to think of everything as wonderful, joy, joy, all of those things, but we don't like to meditate on hell. We need to meditate on hell. We need to think about hell more. The Puritans, they always meditated on hell. They constantly meditated on hell. Jonathan Edwards, one of his resolutions that he made was resolved. When I feel pain, to think of the pains of martyrdom and of hell. In other words, when he, he got sick, when he felt pain in his life, when he smacked his finger with a hammer, when he felt the pains and the agonies of life, when he lost loved ones, he meditated on hell so that he would realize even the, the smallest little pains that we feel, the smallest sufferings in our lives, they are nothing. They are nothing compared to the tortures and the agonies of hell. And when we look out at the lost, we need to realize if they don't come to know Jesus, they're going to suffer far more than they will ever suffer in this lifetime. Far more than anyone has ever suffered in this lifetime. Think about your worst sufferings. That's nothing, nothing, nothing compared to hell. You want to have compassion for the lost? Meditate on that. Meditate on the fact if they don't know Jesus, if they don't come to know Jesus, that's in their future. Eternity 
of absolute hell. We want to persevere in outreach. We must cultivate a compassion for the lost. Second, if we're going to persevere in outreach, we must prioritize pursuit of the lost. We must prioritize pursuit of the lost. Look here again at this shepherd. This shepherd... He pursues his, his lost sheep intentionally. He pursues his lost sheep intentionally. He leaves the 99 in the open country and he goes after the one sheep. Right? There's an intentional action that takes place there. He intentionally finds a place to, to set his sheep down, to, to leave them there in the open country. And he intentionally goes after the one to find the one. Dear friends, we must make pursuing the lost a priority in our lives. That means we must be intentional about pursuing the lost. We've got to be intentional about that. We've got to make it an, a, a point of our life, a part of our life to go out every day. Lord, who are you going to put me in contact with today? Lord, open my eyes. Let me see. Who do you want me to, to, to witness to today? Who do you want me to engage with in the gospel, the message of the gospel? And every day when we go out of our houses, when we leave our houses, we need to be living with such intentionality of, of trying to, to see who, who Jesus is putting in our lives so that we can share the love of Jesus Christ with them. You see, that's a, an intentional thing. If we're not intentional about that, we're not going to do that. Amen? We're not going to do it. If we're not intentional about it, if I don't get up in the morning and say, Lord, just show me the one. Show me one that you want me to engage today with the gospel. Show me one. If I don't live intentionally about going, when I go to the grocery store, having my eyes open and ready to, to see who's there. Who's there who needs to hear a little bit of the gospel today? Then I'm going to miss it. You see, we have a tendency to get so caught up in our own things and our own, own, own little problems and, and stuff that's going on that we'll miss all of that other stuff. We have to be intentional. We have to go out every day with intention and in finding someone to share the gospel with. But not only is that uh, a, an intentional pursuit, but it must also be a diligent pursuit. Our pursuit of the lost must be a diligent pursuit. And, and he gets in that with the second parable there. What woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? Here's a woman who has ten coins. Ten coins is a good bit of money in that day. And she loses one coin. And again, she doesn't just write it off, right? She lights a lamp. She gets up out of bed. She lights a lamp. She illuminates the house, and she begins to sweep the floor, sweep the floor diligently, sweeping every little corner so she can hear that little tingling-ling-ling when she hits that coin. She wants to find that coin. And she searched the house from point to point, from corner to corner, every inch of the house. She goes over diligently seeking, pursuing that coin. 
And Jesus paints a picture here for us. That's how we ought to be with the lost. We should seek them diligently. We should pursue them diligently. It's not just one time and I'm done. But we pursue them. We pursue them. We pursue them. Until they tell us to get out and don't ever come back again or I'm going to beat you in the head. We pursue them. We want to go after them and diligently seek them and share with them the gospel because we have the only message of hope that they have. Oh man, we got to be diligent about seeking and pursuing the lost. And isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus came intentionally to this world. He stepped down from glory. He set aside His divine glory and He took on human flesh. Intentionally coming to die. That's Luke's point in this second part of uh, of the Gospel. Jesus is, is, is the Son of God who is intentional about going to the cross. That's His pursuit. He has set His face like a flint rock. He has set His face to go to the cross. He is intentional about seeking and saving the lost. That's His passion. That's His plan. He's pursuing it with every ounce of His being. And He went straight to the cross. And there, He diligently poured out Himself completely on the cross for our sakes. He was without sin, yet He became sin for us to dying on the cross so that He could bring us into His kingdom. So that He could find us. All we like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. We were all lost. We were all lost running away from God. But Jesus came and laid upon Himself the iniquity of us all. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He did it intentionally. He did it diligently. He pursued us. Made that a priority in His life to pursue us so that He might bring us into His kingdom. Oh, dear friends, here at Bastrop, the First Baptist of Bastrop, we know that it is our, our priority, it is our priority, at least in theory, to make the pursuit of, of the lost a priority for us, right? It's a priority for us to seek the lost in theory. Our, our, our mission is to love God through gospel-focused worship. To love one another through gospel-focused community. And to love our world through gospel-shaped, gospel-focused ministry. See, that's the theory, but what about practice? See, we can tout that, that, that mission, vision statement all we want to, but if we're not going out, if we're not going out to seek and to save the lost, then it's only in theory. We've got to put it in practice. We've got to make sure that we're putting it in practice, and we've got to continue to make sure that we put that into practice day in, day out, day in, day out, year after year, 
We can't let go of that. We must prioritize our pursuit of the lost. So we must cultivate compassion for the lost. We must prioritize pursuit of the lost. Third, we must celebrate the conversion of the lost. We must celebrate the conversion of the lost. You see here in this, these two parables, both parables, uh, when the shepherd, he finds the lost sheep, he, he calls his friends and neighbors. He says, come, come, rejoice with me. Celebrate with me. And the same with the woman when she finds the coin. She calls her friends and her neighbors, come, I found my lost coin. Come, celebrate, celebrate. Let's rejoice together. You see, we celebrate what we value, don't we? We celebrate what we value. A few years ago, before Gus, Gus is our Weimaraner, and uh, before Gus, there was Jake. Jake was a, a chocolate lab, and I loved Jake. He would go hunting with me some, and, and I loved Jake. He was a good dog. Uh, one night, Jake got out and ran off. Couldn't find him. Went out there to feed him. He was gone. Where's Jake? Where's Jake? You know what I did? I took out on the streets. We lived in Warren at the time. They're in the city of Warren. And so I, I hit the streets, and I began to look everywhere for Jake. It started pouring down rain. I walked through the rain looking for Jake, walking through the streets. Jake, come here, boy. Come on, Jake. Here, boy. Here, boy. I pursued him. I pursued him. I pursued him. The next day, I didn't find him that night. The next day, I went out again. I pursued him. I looked for him. And then I finally found him. I finally found him. He was several blocks over at, at a, somebody's house there. He found himself a girlfriend and started, decided to hang out there for a while. Right? But I found him. I found him. I found Jake. And you know what I did when I, I found Jake? I called Mary Beth. Mary Beth, guess what? I found Jake. I found Jake. I'm bringing him home. I called my buddy whom I talked about, uh, told uh, about Jake. I called him up. Guess what? Guess what? I found Jake. I found him. He was off over here at another house. But I found him. I'm getting to bring him home. And Jesus says, when one lost, when one lost person comes to know Jesus, all of heaven celebrates that that one lost is found. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? We can do a lot of wonderful things here at church. We can do a lot of good deeds. We can do, minister to a lot of people. But I want to tell you, I want you to know this, that when one person comes to know Jesus Christ and their Lord and, as their Lord and Savior, all of heaven celebrates. They burst out in song. They praise God on high because one lost has come to know Jesus. Oh, they don't, they don't celebrate just because we, we go and feed the, the hungry. They don't just celebrate because we, we do this good deed, we serve our community. But they celebrate, they rejoice when one sinner comes to know Jesus. We like to celebrate a lot of things, but I don't think we celebrate the right things. Oh, we need to get a, a, a heavenly sense of what is worth celebrating. We need to celebrate when the lost come to know Jesus. 
That means when we, when we share the gospel with someone and we see someone come to know Jesus, we come together and we start celebrating. Dear friend, I want to hear your testimonies. As you go out and share the gospel with people and you see, begin to see people's lives change, I want to hear that testimony. I want to hear about that one coming to know Jesus. And we need, as a church, to begin to celebrate those wonderful victories of Jesus Christ. Because they are His victories, not ours. But He paid for those victories by the blood of His cross. Dear friends, we need to learn to celebrate the conversions of the lost. We need to make that a priority here at our church. We can celebrate a lot, of, a lot of things, but that's the most important thing for us to celebrate. As we begin to cultivate a compassion for the lost, as we begin to prioritize our pursuit of the lost, and as we begin to celebrate the conversions of the lost, let me tell you something, dear friends, the DNA of this church will transform. It will transform. And not only will the DNA of this church transform, but the the image, the view of this church will transform as these pews begin to get more, become more and more filled with those who come to praise God with their lives. Dear friends, we must persevere in our outreach. We must persevere in our outreach. I think about Paul when he wrote his final letter to Timothy. There at the end of, chapter, uh, of 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, he said, I have finished the race. Right? I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord will reward me on that day, not only to me, but to all who awaited his coming. Oh, dear friend, will that be said of us? Can we say that of ourselves? Jesus has commissioned us as disciples to go make disciples. To take the gospel to the lost people of Bastrop, to Morehouse Parish, to Louisiana, to the ends of the earth. Are we running the race? Are we keeping the faith? Are we doing what He has commissioned us to do? Are we cultivating compassion for the lost here in our community? Are we making the, the pursuit of the lost a priority of the church? Are we celebrating when the lost come to know Jesus, are we running the race well? We must, we must persevere in our outreach. We must persevere in evangelism. We must persevere in taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost all around. Lest God come and turn out our light as the church there in the book of Revelation. Dear friends, today, 
I call you church. I call you to help us as a part of this body. Help in making outreach a priority for this church. Help make outreach a a priority for us. Something that we have to celebrate every time that we come in here. I call you to pray. Pray that God would move in this church and move in our community with the Gospel and the power of Jesus Christ. And I call you to persevere in your own personal outreach as you go out Be intentional about evangelism. Be intentional about pursuing the lost. Seeing to see them come into the kingdom. Now today there's some here. Today, before you need to hear a message about outreach, you need to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ because you're here and you're one of those lost. You're a lost sheep. But by God's grace, He has drawn you to this place so that you might be found. Jesus loves you. And He gave His life on Calvary's cross for you. To overcome your sin and your rebellion against the Father. To to die in your place. And He was raised again three days later to guarantee your eternal life in Him if you will only believe. You'll only turn away from your life of rebellion and trust in Jesus. He will save you. Will you turn to Him today? Will you trust in Him? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You that You came to seek and to save the lost. As each and every person in here, myself included, were counted among the number who were lost, going astray, doing our own thing. But Lord, You came and You sought us intentionally, diligently. You pursued us. You had compassion upon us. And You gave Yourself for us. Oh Lord, we need You to give us that passion. That desire to see the lost come to know You. That desire to see the lost found and brought into Your kingdom. Lord, if there's those today who do not know You, who do not know Jesus, Lord, let them turn today. Seek them and save them, Lord, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.